Live Mike. Pittsburgh Steeler fans, it is time once again for another edition of the Live Mike Podcast. My name is Michael Beck, Deputy Editor of BehindTheSteelCurtain.com, bringing it to you once again with a nice little rumor roundup as we're a month away from the NFL Draft. Right after this real first big wave of free agency and kind of looking at where the Steelers sit today. Of course, kind of the biggest news of the past couple days, and you've heard a lot on our podcast and on the website itself, is Tyson Alualu flipping right back, uh, changing his mind, and uh, instead of heading back down to the Jacksonville Jaguars, staying in Pittsburgh. Man, oh man, that is quite the story there, but... Throughout that, there was some uh, rumors rumbling about that the uh, Steelers were taking calls, or, or, or putting calls out, I should say, on other defensive linemen across the league looking to kind of upgrade that position. Now, no names have really been thrown out, but it is kind of interesting to note that the Steelers were kind of in the market for a veteran without paying veteran-type prices on the open market, M- more so looking... Uh, I guess into a way that they might be willing to move out a draft pick for talent. I wonder if they're willing to do that at other spots. And of course, I think we will see uh, potentially one of those moves happen before the draft. Obviously, because uh, draft pick prices are at a premium before uh, you enter that draft. And they kind of drop off a little bit uh, looking at a year ahead uh, and those selections. So I will say, if there is a uh, big kind of trade for a starter, I would uh, I would suggest that would be coming in the coming weeks. Uh, of course, we know the Steelers' uh, positions of need uh, being center. Uh, obviously, that's the big one. Uh, a number two tight end to pair with Eric Ebron, a running back. Corners now join that mix, as well as uh, inside linebacker and some outside linebacker depth. Now, the Steelers, of course, have spent a little bit of money. They brought some players in. They've added some depth along the offensive line. And they've added a little bit uh, in terms of special teams. Uh, I'm curious whether or not we'll see some more uh, of the Steelers' own unrestricted players get signed over the coming days. But it is that cornerback spot, something that I kind of want to focus some time on here. There was some news that broke today from Brian Batko, um, who... uh, who was talking to Cameron Sutton, who uh, himself said during the 2020 exit meetings after this, the conclusion of this final season, that the, the Steelers coaching staff told told Cam Sutton that uh, expect to play a little bit more on the outside, which is really interesting to me, because that really says the Steelers were kind of planning on making a move with one of their outside corners. Uh, of course, uh, we did learn that this past what week and some change ago that Steven Nelson would be that guy that gets moved on from now since that move has been made and the news of Cameron Sutton uh, being told that he'd be uh, playing on the outside by uh, the Steelers coaching staff the combination of those two kind of uh, makes it a little bit more interesting to me the timing on cutting Steven Nelson now behind the scenes I'm curious whether or not the Steelers uh, were trying to trade either Nelson or Joe Hayden for that matter because if the plan was to just cut one of them all along why do they wait until uh, 
a few days into the free agency period, and a, a few of their big name players have already come off the market. And now, I'm not sure if we'll ever know the the real answer to that, or whether or not they're just trying to negotiate some extensions, but. Just by the fact that they told Cameron Sutton to uh, be ready to play on the outside, I, I think that speaks volumes. I, I think uh, the plan was always to have Sutton paired with someone, uh, ultimately, that ends up being with Joe Hayden, uh, which could be a pretty successful cornerback duo. Uh, while Cam Sutton is not the most physical corner, he, he really holds opponents down around 50% completion when uh, targeted his way. So through the air, he is uh, quite a talented corner. Uh, of course, uh, picked up a couple interceptions the last couple of seasons so he is definitely a guy that could force a turnover and uh, make those plays uh, in the passing game so taking him away from being the nickel guy I think uh, is a great move I think Cam Sutton will be much more successful uh, kicked outside It'll be interesting, though, to see how the Steelers kind of go about fixing that kind of uh, nickel hole. Now, traditionally, what Mike Hilton formerly did for the Pittsburgh Steelers is not not a normal position for a corner. Extremely extremely physical type spot, almost like a, a third inside linebacker on the field that just happened to uh, line up over slot receivers before uh, slashing in on, on blitzes and stepping into the run game. That really kind of takes a special type player. And with uh, Mike Hilton gone, I'm not sure that guy is on the roster. It'll be interesting to see if perhaps the Steelers tried to uh, maybe make a Miles Killebrew into that guy. Uh, we know his relationship with Terrell Austin was pretty big. He, he is definitely a physical uh, type of safety uh, who transitioned the linebacker in Detroit, but then was once again called a defensive back upon his signing in Pittsburgh. Perhaps that could be the guy. Uh, perhaps Terrell Austin has just kind of seen that w- within him in years prior. Who really knows on that? It might be interesting to see if this team drops a safety and tries to make them uh, play that nickel spot, that physical spot, because really you just don't see those guys uh, come around the league very often and for good reason. It just isn't a, it isn't a, what a traditional corner is when, when they come up through the college ranks or even when they start playing the game. They, they don't think they're going to be that, that, that kind of physical type force. It is not something you see all that often. So over the coming weeks, it'll be interesting to see if the Steelers maybe try to tweak the defense back to what it was uh, before Mike Hilton was on the team and kind of use that nickel spot as someone who's more of a, a coverage type role. I, I think at the end of the day here, what we will see is a, uh, a different defense, no matter what, out of your Pittsburgh Steelers. The talent is different. We know that. Uh, they're definitely going to add to it in the draft. Where and when is yet to be seen. Of course, the exciting thing about this time of the year is uh, projecting who they m- might go. If they go a linebacker early, or perhaps if they go another safety early, it really could uh, kind of shape uh, the way of the future of the Steelers defense. And really, there still is those pillars on the defensive side of the football. So adding to that, um, we'll really just kind of determine what those kind of uh, those kind of kind of secondary type players not not defensive back by that I mean uh, the number twos behind the primary guys those being TJ Watt Minka Fitzpatrick and Devin Bush the guys that kind of uh, lead uh, the charge in behind them uh, will be the way uh, that kind of shapes the defense and where they go from here now, outside of that, of course, there's Steelers rumors galore, uh, and it really depends on the source that you hear it from. One of the interesting things, though, is Albert Breer, uh, who's been 
with a number of networks over the years. Uh, he is someone who's kind of pushing the horn that the Steelers might be interested in uh, Sam Darnold as uh, as his trade value continues to kind of fall down the ladder. To me, it doesn't really make a lot of sense. Um, I do suppose an acquiring team would only have to pick up about $4.5 million of his salary if someone were to tra- trade for a Sam Darnold. Uh, of course, the Jets seem to be uh, primed to take Zach Wilson second overall, so they are probably out at that quarterback spot um, if they were to draft Zach Wilson, uh, they would definitely not be picking up Sam Darnold's fifth-year option, so perhaps they want to just get something uh, before they move on from Sam Darnold, and perhaps that that might be a 2022 draft pick before this is all said and done, and somewhere in the middle rounds, just so they can get some value back for Darnold. It, uh, I, I suppose the Steelers could be a team. To me, the fit doesn't really make a lot of sense unless uh, they want to move on from Mason Rudolph, who by all means, uh, whenever you hear the organization talk about him, they're very high on. So I would not expect a move like that. I know uh, it's kind of a polarizing topic for uh, Steelers Nation online these days. Uh, I'm not sure that's the one that really makes the most amount of sense. Perhaps a little bit of stability would do Sam Darnold good. We know the Steelers offer a ton of that but really the timing just doesn't seem right but perhaps after the draft if the Steelers uh, don't pick anyone up and uh, they might be able to move on from a Dwayne Haskins or a uh, Mason Rudolph perhaps they could do that if uh, they feel certain that 2021 is going to be Ben Roethlisberger's final season still to me I'm not sure if uh, Ben Roethlisberger hangs him up after next year I could see him play a couple more seasons depending on how he performs really this upcoming year Now, outside of that, and something we're really going to hammer on the second part of the podcast, but we'll start talking about right now, is the draft itself. And a little bit of speculation from myself, but uh, when you look at the 2021 list of prospects, and you look at Mike Tomlin and Kevin Colbert, and how they've kind of uh, traveled around and made their uh, impressions on pro days, they've basically been traveling together. Uh, the pro day rules in this COVID world, you're only allowed to bring two or three total guys to a pro day. Um, and when uh, Mike Tomlin and Kevin Colbert go to whichever school, um, you might see Matt Canada or uh, a running back coach or an offensive line coach like Adrian Clem, Eddie Faulkner, just kind of depending on what kind of prospect they might be interested in. What uh, is kind of surprising to me, however, when you look at the Steelers' needs, of course, running back is a big one. If we if we just start there, the top three running backs, uh, the Steelers did not go to the University of North Carolina. Eddie Faulkner did, I should say that. The running backs coach was there. They have two top running backs, but Tomlin and Colbert were not. And why this is important is the last time the Steelers didn't or the last time the Steelers drafted someone who Mike Tomlin and Kevin Colbert didn't attend their pro day, that was over 10 years ago. It hasn't happened in a very long time. And I think we can take a little bit of stock in that because of just really the rarity of, uh, of this kind of happening and kind of the Steelers almost tipping their hand in a way of what they might do, uh, especially in the first round. Sure, stuff uh, kind of changes beyond that in the draft. Perhaps they might view Javante Williams as a second-round guy, and if they were able to scoop him at 55, that would be a huge win for them. But really, when you look at the other top two running back uh, 
guys in this draft. Travis Etienne, they sent the farm at. Matt Canada, of course, being the third of that uh, Tomlin, uh, Colbert, and Canada trio. That was the only really, the only other one they really kind of focused in at and really kind of hammered down when uh, they were watching uh, a running back. Perhaps they might be tipping their hand in that way that they're high on Travis Etienne. But when they went to the University of Alabama, Najee Harris, of course, didn't participate. Tomlin and Colbert were there. So I guess you can take some stock in that. But the Steelers also don't draft senior players coming out of college. Sure, they do usually in the later rounds. But when you look at the history of this team drafting... They are all about the underclassmen, all about the younger guys, and really, Najee Harris and Javante Williams play a very similar type of game. Uh, Williams is a little bit smaller than Harris, however, but he is almost three years younger and a whole lot less uh, in terms of touches. If the Steelers were interested in Najee Harris, I don't understand why they wouldn't be interested in taking a hard look at Javante Williams. Uh, Both players' uh, tape stands out, but... To me, that that seems kind of glaring. Is is Travis Etienne the clear number one uh, running back target for the Steelers? Perhaps, perhaps they're not as high on a running back as we all thought. After all, I mean, it is the kind of the name of the game when it comes to the draft and running backs. All of a sudden, uh, we start valuing them high, and then they tumbled down the draft board. We saw it happen last year. Top backs were available when the Steelers picked at forty nine. We will get into the other positions and kind of some of the stuff that I'm seeing as we head towards the draft in the second part of our podcast. So if you're listening, just hang tight and we will be back in a moment. It is the Live Mike Podcast. Once again, my name is Michael Beck, bringing it to you again, bringing you some rumors, a little bit of speculation, stuff that I have seen and kind of uh, perhaps overanalyzed, but I think there is some stock into uh, some of the things that I have seen this team really do as they uh, venture towards the draft. Of course, in that first part, kind of looked at the running backs and perhaps the kind of pseudo-interest that the Steelers may have at the spot. Uh, another big position that I think we really need to spend some time on here is the offensive line. Now, a lot of us really kind of thought, myself included, especially early on in this draft process, that the Steelers would be very, uh, very interested in taking a bunch of offensive linemen, completely retooling the spot, and then uh, just do- doing it different and just really building this team's offense line towards the future and uh, kind of going from there. Here's the interesting thing, though. We'll start at center. After Marquise Pouncey retired, I think we all kind of thought the Steelers would be pretty high on uh, bringing in a center. Now, free agency's come and gone. There's a couple names of starting capability out on the market, but Austin Blythe, the last I've seen, it seems like uh, himself and the Minnesota Vikings are headed toward a contract. I guess Austin Reader's really... Potentially the the only guy still on the board that has a 16-game history in his back pocket. 
unless the Steelers want to take another reclamation project on, I don't think they're going to be finding a center in free agency, which to me is a little mind-boggling. They are a lot higher on B.J. Finney than I am, than a lot of the writers that bind the Steel Curtain are. It's just one of those things. It's a little worrisome. So by that, you might think, oh, you know what? They might draft someone. And really, when you look at Landon Dickerson and Creed Humphrey, the top two centers on the board, it really, as the days progress here, doesn't seem like either one of them will be available at 55. So unless the Steelers are trading back, they might be the option at pick 24. Here's the thing, though. The Steelers did not go watch Creed Humphrey at his at his pro day. That, that's kind of a flag to me. They did send, uh, I believe their offensive line assistant was there. But usually the assistants are kind of there for the day two and day three uh, type players. And, and that's that's something that kind of stands out to me. Perhaps another spot that the Steelers kind of foresee that kind of interior position slipping, perhaps in their favor. But then when it comes to Landon Dickerson, who once again is coming off another knee uh, surgery, the Steelers were at Alabama, but they... I don't know, like, when you look at uh, these pro days and players that didn't participate, and a a whole lot of other uh, players, of course, at the Alabama pro day, I'm not necessarily saying they went there specifically for either Dickerson or Najee Harris, just because neither of those players participated in those pro day events. Sure, there's been some Zoom interviews and whatnot, but... One of the things that's really standing out to me is the amount of uh, pro days that these guys are, are turning up to to watch linebackers. And uh, I think we'll, we'll get uh, a little more into that as uh, as we uh, progress through this pro- uh, this podcast. And I really want to kind of hammer out this offensive line spot because it, it kind of extends further past the center position. Uh, like, we know Quinn Miners, uh, the Steelers sent Adrian Kemp to work him out, and he kind of led the that pro day uh, at uh, Wisconsin-Whitewater. But that's another thing. Kevin Colbert said very early on in this process that, that this team would probably be more interested in drafting players that actually played in 2020. Division II, FCS, uh, the, the, lower, the lower conferences did not play. Just the entire league did not play at those levels for those players. Now, could they be going for minors at 55 who's skyrocketing up these draft boards? Perhaps, but once again, Colbert, Tomlin, not there. It it says something to me, and until this team kind of uh, bows away from their traditions of drafting guys whose pro days they attend, uh, I have a hard time not foreseeing them doing just that as we continue on into the future here. The next kind of important positions, that kind of, those tackle spots, Sam Cosme, Texas, Steelers didn't send their top guys there. Uh, of course, I, I guess they were, they were there for Alex Leatherwood, but Alex Leatherwood's pretty much tumbled very far down the draft boards when it comes to tackle rankings. Uh, the guys that they are there for aren't the guys that are kind of expected to go in round one, like Oklahoma State. Uh, they were there for Jalen Mayfield, but Mayfield had a terrible pro day workout, if we're being honest here. And there's other prospects there at the University of Michigan. The Steelers just aren't sending guys, their top guys, I should say, to the top guys uh, at the offensive line and running back spots. 
And, and really, uh, I think to me that almost speaks volumes. And all of a sudden, two positions we thought this team would for sure come off the board one and two. I, I don't know how confident I am in thinking either of those two spots are going to come off the board with their number one selection, unless they kind of uh, surprise us a little bit. I, I'm not sure if this team is as interested in taking an O-lineman or running back very highly. When you look at the Steelers roster, Zach Banner and Chooks Okorafor kind of project to be the starters at tackle with Joe Haig, uh, formerly of the Buccaneers and Colts before that, as that kind of backup and jumbo tight end type guy. The guards, Kevin Dotson and David Castro, backed up by... Uh, Oh, I'm, for, I'm forgetting his first name, but Coward's the last name. The, the guard pickup from the Chicago Bears that they just signed on Monday. Uh, he kind of projects to be uh, the backup there. At center, you got B.J. Finney being backed up by J.C. Hassenhauer. Finney's a guy that can play the interior three positions, and really, when you look at it, that eight man, uh, that kind of those eight offensive linemen that you have to dress on game days. It's, it's already filled out. Now, I know Hassenhauer is someone that could end up back in the practice squad, but but really when you look at this this team, the Steelers don't really have a lot of space to be adding offensive linemen too. And the same kind of goes with the running back spot as well. They really only have one spot for running back, and, and then they're still going to have to cut some guys because they are kind of filled to the gills here at those two positions. I think right now, when you look at the Steelers and kind of their draft needs, of course they could they could draft a Hague or cut a Hague, or or really any of those uh, kind of uh, backup type guys. But the Steelers still paid a, a decent amount of money to bring them in. It, honestly, it'd be kind of surprising at this point to see them draft multiple offensive linemen with their first three, even first four rounds worth of picks. Those are five picks in the first four rounds for this team, by the way. It's kind of hard to see them taking more than one. And at that, as much as I, I think they need a center, it's kind of hard to see them going center in round one of the draft either. And say if Travis Etienne's off the board, say Miami or the New York Jets fall in love with them and take them it, before the Steelers could even make that move at 24. Now all of a sudden, what are the Steelers doing at running back? How much interest do they have in the other guys that high? Because it... It, when you look at Matt Canna's scheme and what he's kind of done traditionally, a Travis Etienne might be the best fit for that offense. So now, when you look at those kind of factors alone, you might be saying to yourself, wow, this team might not be going to spots I kind of thought they, they were going to go. Now, when you look at the other needs and the kind of valuations of other players that should be there when the Steelers are on the clock... At 24, really kind of the most mock drafts kind of bend to the linebacker position as kind of being the best players on the board. Now, you know how high I am on a Zayvon Collins type. He would slot in perfectly for that buck roll. But it extends past that. Uh, there could be a quitty pay on the board. There could be some top edge rushers. And now I, I know Alex Highsmith is someone with a high potential and is further along in the process than Bud Dupree was entering year two. And they don't necessarily need a starter at outside linebacker by any means, but this team still needs depth. And how much can you kind of uh, put off taking a, a linebacker, especially if they distance themselves as kind of the, the best players available when it's the Steelers' turn to pick? And when you look at this team and 
kind of how they've maneuvered their way through this draft process, like I've said, they've interviewed tons of linebackers. Now, at the time of recording this, uh, we haven't got to Tulsa's Pro Day, so we don't know if Zayvon Collins is that guy yet that they're super interested in. We'll know that. I believe April 1st or April 2nd, one of those two days, is the day of that Tulsa Pro Day. We'll know more then. But we know that they've talked to guys like uh, Jeremiah Owusu-Koromora out of Notre Dame. We know they've talked to Nick Bolton, uh, Chaz Surratt. Like, really, you can go on and on. This team looks pretty set on finding another inside linebacker, and that would mean like a, a Robert Splane would be potentially a, a depth piece for this team, which I see nothing wrong with. He was a, a diamond in the rough that really kind of uh, played pretty well when uh, he was replacing an injured Devin Bush, made some pretty big plays in Baltimore and Tennessee. Uh, after injuring his knee, he, he really struggled in that game against the Cleveland Browns. He was not ready for that uh, as far as the eye test goes, perhaps the doctors and, and he thought he was, but if that's the real Robert Spillane, then I can understand why they might be looking to uh, find another inside linebacker. And we know that Steelers traditionally don't want to rush their guys onto the field too soon. So perhaps that's that might be what they exactly do. Start Spillane and then whoever they bring in in the first round could uh, slot in as the year goes on. Those are just some things to watch out for because I, I think the Steelers are kind of showing us that they might not uh, do what we kind of expected them to do when uh, this kind of pro day and draft seasons really started to kick off. So with all that being said, I want to thank you for listening to the Live Mike podcast. Uh, pleasure bringing it to you as always. And before you go, make sure you're clicking over to BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. We got breaking news uh, coming out as fast, if not faster, than anyone, be it ESPN, The Athletic, any other Steelers site in general. Behind the Steel Curtain, uh, we get you that information and we get it to you quickly uh, for really all your Steelers needs. If you're a big-time Steelers fan like me, if you're listening to this podcast right now, it probably means you are. Click over to BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. You'll get tons of comments. Commentary, player rankings, uh, report cards, grades, you name it. Uh, come game day, offseason, it doesn't matter. Tons of Steelers content, absolutely free to you. And if, of course, you're listening to this, uh, if you're listening on Apple Podcasts right now or, or wherever you listen to your, your podcast from, make sure you're giving us a five star rating and leaving a comment. It really helps us out. And it costs you absolutely nothing to do, and it just helps promote the show, grow the brand, and helps us bring you more great Steelers content like this. So, with all that said, thank you for tuning in to the live mic. My name is Michael Beck. We will catch you next week, and as always, go Steelers. Go Steelers.